Hey there, Brain Hackers. Dave Farrow here with another Brains Behind It interview. I'm talking to Jeffrey Wu. He is uh, president and founder of what used to be Nutribox and is now uh, HVMN, but it's pronounced human. So um, if you get from, from that, you get the idea that he's really into the design. When I first saw his, his material, when I first heard of his product, I thought, okay, this is like a natural supplement. I thought, uh, hippies, really. I thought, you know, things like uh, uh, GNC or, um, um, you know, things like that, uh, Whole Foods. And uh, when, when I looked at his material, the design and the thought put into marketing was absolutely stupefying. And it made me completely re, uh, you know, reevaluate how I was going to do this interview. So uh, right now, I, uh, welcome to the show, Jeffrey. Let's talk about your, uh, your company. And and your recent, as of this morning, branding change, which I'm the first to hear about. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yes, we are launching as human from Nutribox this morning. So getting a bit of a scoop here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. literally, mine was, mine was the first email you sent out with the new branding, so I'm very honored. All right, so first off, uh, for assume people have no idea, never heard of you, uh, tell us in your own words um, what your business is, what you do, and you know, what makes you different. Yeah, so about three years ago, we started off as Nutribox. And really, you know, I think as your audience knows, there's compounds in this universe called nootropics, mm -hmm. which are cognitive enhancers. These are compounds that enhance various aspects of cognition. Well, I studied computer science at Stanford, and most of our team are technologists or clinicians and researchers. And we really look at this space as um, sort of re-engineering uh, what a human can can be. Mm -hmm. So I think when it was interesting from from your from your prelude, going from hey you know is this some herbal you know potentially Eastern medicine tradition, um, I, I think the way we looked at it is that we looked at it from an engineering perspective. Uh, we looked at a human as a platform. So the way I think about it is that back in the seventies and eighties there were Silicon Valley hackers that hacked on silicon. Yeah. Uh, tinker with, with computer parts to make something you know interesting out of what is hardware pieces. Um, yeah. I think if you fast forward that tradition, that hacker that hacker ethos, uh, that same homebrew spirit is now uh, with with biohackers, with brain hackers today. And mm -hmm. I see that Nutribox and now Human uh, as really being a part of that community, part of that 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 community hub of bringing brain hacking, biohacking from niche communities and pockets, uh, different small audiences and making that from, you know, in the garage to everyone in the world. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the, you know, that's the future really is, is we start off with technology and we, we get a closer and closer relationship with, the, with technology until it's a part of us. Uh, and yeah. a lot of people don't think of technology like that, but if you, you know, if you read some of the great sci-fi writers, it's not, you know, it's not just when you get implants in your body that, that humans and technology uh, connect. Um, in my uh, in my background, I'm not sure how much you, you look back on me, but I'm I'm two time Guinness record holder for memory. And one of the things I talk about actually in a TED talk is how um, there's something called the Google effect. Uh, you know, you can't actually Google it. It's, it's it's not something that Google wants to brag about, really. But it's something at at uh, Columbia University and Harvard they discovered that people's memories worldwide are declining. 
And it's because we've, we've started to rely on these, these little, these smartphones. External hard drives, right? Yeah. Like you become a very slow interface to the external brain. I think an interesting analogy that I've seen recently is that, you know, as our brains evolved, right? We have the reptilian brain, then we developed the neocortex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you could think about, you know, when, you know, as, as, companies like Elon Musk or, mm-hmm. or, or Brian Johnson's company building neural interfaces. That's like the second, the third tier of, 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 of complicated right. you know, cortical uh, system where you're just uploading memories into this third tier. Yeah. And I was actually involved in, in nanotech way back in the day where they were looking into putting sensors inside the brain. And it's so much easier than people think. It was a little, uh, little copper coil in the shape of a cone. And essentially that uh, the electrical stimulation created a very, very tiny radio wave that could be picked up by sensors on the outside of mm. the skull. Uh, it allowed people who were paralyzed to operate a mouse and things like that. But it, it's, very, it's a little piece of wire inside the head. It's not this huge, complex thing that we think is so far uh, beyond us. Right. You know? um, well, you know, I've, I've been passionate about brain hacking uh, in, a, in a software sense, always thinking of, of different ways to, to think better and think uh, stronger. But I really wanted to talk to you about the nutrition because I get questions all the time about this. So, um, but, uh, but still, no, we're, we are, you know, we are a brain-based uh, site here. So I want to ask you a couple of questions I ask everybody uh, with the brains behind it. Uh, number one, what do you think is the smartest thing that you ever did uh, to get mm-hmm. this business off the ground or, you know, in seeing this, this hook, what, what, what is your brain power produce the best thing? Of? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, oftentimes it's a zero th- order thing, which is like just, just throwing ideas on the wall. I think um, a lot of times with uh, people that can get overly intellectual and you're just theory crafting out the universe. Mm. You think about like the five-year plan, a 10-year plan, and really uh, you just need to get the one-day plan of pushing, uh, you, know, you know, parts of the ideas out in, into the world. So I just resuming back into the early days of Nutribox, for example, um, I saw the Google trends of nootropics and biohacking spiking up into the right, right? And that's like the entrepreneurial side of me just looking at, uh, at the space from a business opportunity perspective. Um, Aside from the personal perspective, from I wanted to be a smarter, better version of myself. And you see all these biohackers getting interesting results from nootropics. Uh, so it's kind of like, okay, I'm interested. Uh, there's a, potentially a lot of people interested. And the existing nootropic services look pretty sketchy. If you just look at a lot of other yes. vendors. Yeah, they, they, they didn't seem to have their act together when it came to marketing. Um, I, I mean, as a person who I, I run a PR firm myself, yeah. a marketing company, uh, I, I was uh, very disappointed by, by that, that, uh, that industry. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, I think it, it, it earns that shady reputation for a reason because I think a lot of the regulation is a little bit fuzzy. So people do and can get away with, you know, mm. not, not be, you know, everything up the button. But uh, you know, we didn't get there from day one. You know, when I, 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 I put my feet into the into this biohacking world in, in, from a business sense, really by building a website and seeing traffic and seeing if people were interested. Right? As a computer scientist, I could knock out a web page in you know in an afternoon, and I posted you know Nutribox.com that that link out to of various different forums around Silicon Valley. So like Hacker News and, and some of these. Uh, uh, forums for for engineers in Silicon Valley, and we got you know thirty credit cards that that weekend. <laughs> That's you know, fantastic. Like, oh, uh, so you got something then. Yeah, exactly. So I think of just like you know, 
so I, I, I think that was the best thing that I was, you know, that, that really kept up us journey, right? Like I think you can look at, you know, you know, any, any particular domain, like launching spaceships or building the next iPhone and be like, Oh my God, that's a ton of work, but it just takes that first pebble to be like, Oh, there's something here. I can, let's, let's keep pushing forward and seeing where the path unfolds. You know, I hear this time and time again, talking to entrepreneurs, I believed it my whole life, but I've had a lot of difficulty convincing non-entrepreneurs that this is a thing. And it's actually a very uh, legitimate, very smart thing to do. And that's to sell something before you even have it. You know, and it yeah. seems so irresponsible. It seems like, how dare you, you know, sell something you don't even have. But the fact is, you don't know if there's a market. You don't know what people want until after yeah. you sell it. So the sale actually comes before the product itself. And that's yeah, just, uh, exactly. No, I think that's exactly right. And I wouldn't even necessarily think it's selling. It's really just like throwing a dart. Like you have mm -hmm. some intuition that like seems reasonable. You throw it into that area. And then like as you actually talk to people, get feedback, you can actually refine that. Yeah, and you test it and months yeah. telling somebody I know what it wants. And that's exactly, you know, you know, sort of hacking, hacking the product development lifecycle. Now you sound like you're a big believer, like you're a computer scientist, but you it's almost like you're a bioscientist. You really believe in evolution. You talk about the biology a lot and you talk about it, it and, and what your business is actually doing uh, in, in 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 business terminology, they, they call it like evolutionary management where you start off with your best guess and then you constantly make changes and tweaks as you go along. Did you try to build a culture of like people that you work with there that are always looking for that, that Kaizen, you know? Yeah. That's, that's funny that you mentioned that. I mean, I would say everyone on our team is some kind of crazy biohacker. <laughs> One of our most recent hires uh, just moved here from Oxford university where she finished her PhD in metabolic biochemistry and also yep. was a world champion rower. So she was won a <laughs> gold medal be, yeah. <laughs> at, 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 at Rotterdam last last summer in the four person women's lightweight crew, and I think from from her who who sort of biohacking her body for peak performance, mm -hmm. to, you know, computer scientists, engineers in Silicon Valley to clinicians that have you know treated you know thousands of veterans in in in, in, mm -hmm. in the Bay Area, I think we we all are. I think what binds us together is this notion that we can improve ourselves. So every one of us does some sort of intermittent fasting. So mm -hmm. I personally do a 36 hour fast every single week. Oftentimes we'll be wearing uh, continuous, continuous glucose monitors that yep. track blood sugar levels and see how that correlates and potentially drives cognitive function. So I think uh, in terms of like surrounding ourselves with uh, people, uh, I think it's like we all are core biohackers at human, yeah. uh, but we're all domain experts in our relative areas. That's fascinating. I, I do intermittent fasting myself. I do a 19-5 rule every Interesting. day. Yeah, and, uh, and I, I also do uh, uh, brain training in the morning, working out in the morning while I'm fasting so I can maximize yeah. that. And Interesting. I, I train that. Well, I mean, I also train for like memory competitions, things yeah, like that. Exactly. No, I'm curious. So yeah. do you try to get into memory competitions in a ketotic state? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It can, okay. In fact, I'd love, I'd love to invite you. We have a competition coming up this week uh, in Florida. Now, at the time of the airing of this interview, just anybody who's watching, the event will have already passed, but it's called the yeah. Pan American Memory Championship. And uh, every, we hold it every single summer in Florida. We also hold the uh, U.S. Memory Tournament um, at 
at the office of eBay in Silicon Valley, which I think might be a little closer to you there. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's actually that's actually every year we're we're holding that uh, near the beginning of the year. So this is uh, we're actually in our in our uh, our second run of that, uh, and uh, the the third run here of the the Florida tournament. Florida tournament. So I'd love to put you on the mailing list. And yeah, we'd love to offer. check it out and and support. Yeah, uh, I'm curious. Do you measure your blood ketones? And are, are, how how rigorous are you with the with the with you the know measure? you know I I haven't I mean everybody go does their their own passion so uh you know I I've I've got a lot of measurements as to you know how fast they can memorize a hundred digit number and things like that a lot of those yeah. sorts of measurements but uh, most of the time you know I've, I've I've submitted myself to be scanned by a lot of people I haven't done the blood ketone thing yet but I'd like to uh, like to try that I actually have another interview of 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 a, a new type of brain scan they did to me while I was memorizing. So I'm always, I'm always open to that. I, I would be happy to maybe join onto one of your blogs and get you guys some content too. I'd be happy to. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, because I think one of the interesting things we saw with intermittent fasting is that it raises the ketone levels. Mm-hmm. Ketones are a more efficient fuel for neurons. So it's 20% more efficient uh, per unit oxygen versus glucose, which is interesting from a an efficiency perspective. Yeah, you definitely feel the sharpness. Um, yeah. There, it's just uh, things are faster, sharper. And uh, for somebody who already trains the brain, I did brain training far before I thought of the biological side. Right. And um, yeah, if I were to go for my my Guinness record again, if anybody breaks it, then I'll uh, I would I would do something. Uh, I, I would do I, I would have a strategy for for when I'll eat and when I'm memorizing. I would schedule that. Whereas. All I did was really snack. I was more of a grazer at the time, and yeah. I realized I probably could have uh, really sharpened up by by paying attention to that because it's a marathon yeah. event. So yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk. That that sounds cool. Uh, I'd like to try some of your products out too. I think we'll get Absolutely. some samples. Um, so we actually speaking of which, uh, when we're talking about the brain, um, this 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 uh, uh, vlog, if you will, the, this brain's behind it. This is really a combination of two of my big passions. Um, I, I do speak on memory. I have one of the best-selling memory improvement programs in the world. I'm very proud of that. Um, and then uh, because of the success there, I actually got into marketing and PR because I've, I've done 2,000 interviews myself. So I've been on every network and tons of shows, Dr. Oz a bunch of times, things like that. Right. So a lot of entrepreneurs came to me and asked me advice on marketing. And that's when I kind of got into my second career and I coach and, and, and we have staff that, that, that do a PR and Facebook ads and sales funnels and all that stuff. Um, so with this, with the content that I wanted to, to make, I really wanted to bring out the brains behind the entrepreneur. I really did, do think it's different than the academic style of intelligence and it's just as valid. It's just very different. And one yeah. of the big questions I always ask is, um, how do you think your brain and or the brain of an entrepreneur differs from others? What do you, what do you look for? What do you see? And how do you think? Yeah, I think one of the key aspects that I realize is a big pattern is that just the, our risk tolerance, I, I say our, but I think just entrepreneur yeah. risk tolerance is much higher. Um, I think there's definitely an undercut of just like not giving a damn about <laughs> what other people think. Yeah. Um, so I think you, you add a, a sort of rebellious attitude with high risk tolerance I think that to me are uh, two of the most important traits of any entrepreneur. I think, and the funny thing is, if you, if you were to talk to any teacher, that's yeah. not that's not the ideal student. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, um, there was there was some study about oh, it was like it was it was uh, different sleep cycles or anything. I was thinking, I have, I have a son now; he's three years old. 
and I was thinking, oh, I should, I should, you know, try to try to work on his sleep cycles because it's a bit erratic. And and the study said that you know it's better for memory, it's better for cognition, and it's also um, better for uh, contrary behavior. They're less mm-hmm. likely to to counter people and challenge right. them and everything. And I'm like wait a second, I want more of the contrary behavior. That's, that's right. what makes you an entrepreneur. How can I right. make him more of, of, a, of a problem for other people? Right. Um, because I think like we, we think like that. We don't want little sheep. We want to, to challenge conventional thinking yeah. and, and try something new. And I want that for my son. And it seems to be counter to what culture says little boys and girls should do, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I think there's, I mean, I think when you go away from the norm, that's where opportunity pockets occur. But I wouldn't, exactly. I wouldn't ouch the couched you know that that point with the fact that you still need to be fundamentally uh have have robust fundamentals right like you you got to be a hard worker like you you need to know how to do math you need to be able to write write, and all that stuff so like that doesn't mean like don't like read and write and do algebra and calculus it's like make sure you match those fundamentals and once you have those fundamentals you know do some do some of the you know adventurous things on top of that yeah it's 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 personality type versus skill set you know and there does seem to be entrepreneur skills needed but there's also an entrepreneur personality like you can you can be incredibly skilled and be so risk adverse you never take that chance and then right. you know, opportunity passes you by so exactly. that's fascinating. So, um, all right. So a common, common brain try I think would be the, the, the risk assessment. Um, what is the worst crisis? I know it's a fairly young company, but you already changed your name once. So it's not too young. Um, yeah. what's the worst crisis you've ever had and how did you overcome it? Um, it feels like there's always, uh, you know, some big drama every quarter. Or so, I mean, I think since some of the earlier days, uh, every day, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember one tough moment about a year and a half in is when we started getting a lot of you know exponential growth and mm-hmm. we started running out of inventory. And well, that's a tough. That's customers. a tough moment. <laughs> well, it, it's a good problem to have from from a lot of pers- you know from from the outside. But mm-hmm. for three months, we had to answer like angry emails from people that wanted oh, to, yeah. and it was just like I think of like over a thousand like emails and personal like notes that we had to write out to people just so, and I think we, we were happy to do that. I think we actually learned about our customers a lot more mm-hmm. by being, uh, you know, just basics of one-to-one communication. Um, I think that was a good learning experience. Um, I think another learning experience is just, uh, hiring and, and figuring out how to manage people, right? Like I think, um, again, I think in, in school, in, in, in college, and also in your first few jobs, you're taught to be a good contributor to a team. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely a mind shift change when you're going from student mode to entrepreneur mode where, yes, you, I don't know everything in the world. No one knows everything in the world. But, you know, if you are leading the boat, you have to be confident and assertive to point in the right direction and shifting that is uh you know a learning experience i think we are all are improving on a daily basis what would you say is your management style how do you manage and motivate people i would say that um i try to we get i think we do really I, i think everyone says we get the best people but i think we really do have the best people in terms of just people that are domain experts in their space or manufacturing mm-hmm. uh, lead. She has a chemical engineering 
degree from Stanford and a master's from MIT. So do you think, do you think you're attracting smart people because of your subject matter that you wouldn't otherwise uh, get or get for the same price? In, in a little bit, because I, I think we're polarizing. I think that's one thing, right? Like we're talking about enhancing like human performance using consumables, right? Yeah. Like in our mission is like- so, Yeah, that, that, that kind of smacks of- that kind of smacks of some things that people wouldn't want to get involved in a little bit. Yeah, it's either like you guys are full of crap or you guys are insane <laughs> or you guys are just awesome and I want to like help make this possible. Um, so I think that's actually a very strong point when you're building a company or attracting people, right? Like mm. you're not being like, ah, I kind of like them. I kind of like her. It's like, hell yeah or like hell no. And it makes our, my job a lot easier to be like, okay, this guy, this person is, is fully on board. Let's, let's make something great. Or it's like, you know, thanks for taking the time, you know, you know, to mm-hmm. pursue something you're interested in. So I think polarizing really well and then polarizing on people that really believe in the mission. And I think once you're there, I'm pretty transparent with all the data that we have. So people like know our cash flows and our inventory and our cash mm-hmm. positions. And it's like, I assume that everyone else is smart on the team. Otherwise I wouldn't hire them. And assuming that we all share the same set of basic data, we can have a conversation that's rational on how we choose to apply our different perspectives on how to make a decision, right? So like if we see the same data set and I assume that you're rational, then we can have like a legitimate argument and I will be like, yes, I understand, but I'm, we're going to do it this way. And then if that fails, we're going to do it your way, right? Like you can actually have, mm-hmm. uh, so, so I think in that way, uh, the key things for our management and our, our company culture is like transparency and, 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 and everyone should be running their domain like their own fiefdom. Yeah. And I don't really, I don't really step in unless it's like, Hey, I like, we're going to take this unconventional bet uh, and here are the reasons why, and we're going to do it. And I if think it that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're not authoritarian, but at the same time, you know, you, you do, you, you pick and choose how you're authoritative. Yeah. Right. How, how you, how you assert yourself right. and the rest of the time you, you work with people. Yeah. Yeah. That whole having a, a rational conversation with other human beings, you should really apply that to politics. I think <laughs> I wonder if that's possible. I don't know. Yeah. I, it, yeah. I, I look at the, I mean, you look at the facts. I think what the, I'm sure you've seen like the Facebook feed of a red state and a, and a blue state voter. Oh, and, it, and it's even, it's even drilled down even further now. It's even different. like, like a blue, a blue, a blue state, like a you know, Facebook feed of a, of a, uh, of, of a, of a New Yorker is different from like a Minnesotan. I mean, it's, it's drilling down, like the echo chambers are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's interesting because they're the facts, the set of facts are different. Yeah. So like people are living in, in parallel realities and it's a good way to think of it. Yeah. It surprised me that people just are like, you're for, you're you're insane. I don't understand. Like and, and, like they don't. No one understands each other anymore. But, but if I'm going to provide one lesson as a as a uh, as a PR guy, is that the facts at the end of the day, the facts don't matter. Uh, it is the emotion. It's the feeling yeah. that people have. You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't whether or not. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll date myself here in this interview, but like it wasn't whether or not. Uh, Clinton did anything uh, wrong in the emails. It was how you right. felt about Clinton. That just reinforces your feeling. It wasn't, you know, whether or not uh, what's, what's the, the current one with, with Trump, uh, w- whether or not he was trying to uh, interfere with an investigation. Or, however you feel, it, it reinforces that. And, and he's either being hounded um, inappropriately or, or not. And, and, and that's really, it's, I think it's actually more the commentary than the facts that are creating these these, uh, uh, um, you know, echo chambers. You don't have anybody who even, you don't encounter people 
who disagree with your beliefs, you know, and yeah. say, you know what, I've come to a different conclusion. I feel like this. I feel like you don't have that uh, as, as much. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, also even assuming if everyone was rational, they don't even have the, the facts to begin with. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, uh, if you could look back, is there anything you would do differently if you could? For the business, um, I would have operated more confidently and just make bigger bets faster and earlier. Really? More, um, being more bold? Yeah. I, I, well, I, I think that I, you, you quickly see that um, the more bold you are, the more yeah, like the more polarizing you are and that attracts a lot of good and a lot of bad. And I think in this day and age of just being an entrepreneur, being an entity in this like very noisy, attention-starved universe that we, mm. that we live in, um, breaking out, is, I think, is the hardest part. Mm. Um, so I think in a lot of ways, I would have hired fast, hired faster and with the confidence that we would be able to deploy their skill set uh, adequately i think when you're sounds good when i was starting out i think you're just like okay everyone has to make more money than a company than their salary right and it's like you know that that's a very conservative but safe way to grow but i think uh you know we're backed by some of the best investors in silicon valley like interesting horowitz they've backed facebook and airbnb and lyft um you you see these like billion dollar companies being created in in in, in, in you know a few short years by being ultra aggressive on growth. So I think it's just like, um, so, so you, you, had, you, like, you have been more ultra aggressive on, on growth, uh, and, uh, you know, damn the, damn the risk, you know, you, you, you go big or go home, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, and I think that's also, yeah, again, going back to like the personality trait, um, like uh, the, the, my philosophy on how I operate is that I think, uh, rare human experiences are more valuable. Like I, I'm fundamentally nihilistic in the sense of like nothing, <laughs> nothing really matters in the grand Nothing scene. really matters, yeah. but like yeah. we're, we're, we're players in our bodies in this game. So let's have really interesting games that we're playing, right? Like in 10 million years, everyone that we know or touch are gone, right? 9.999 million years ago. So like, it, so it's, it, it is really just like, okay, Assuming that there's no fundamental truth that we're all searching for, we're all creating our own truth. Well, I want to just seek more rare and more novel experiences. And I think that uh, rare experiences in the sense of like running a billion dollar company versus running a $10 million company is a more interesting, more rare experience. So I think a lot of my decision factors drive towards uh, seeking that. I mean, I think like to be like a world record champion, I think it's an interesting experience, right? Like you're rare caliber, of, of people that are top of the like, field of, of their domain. So I think mm. like, like pursuing, you know, pursuits in, in, in that line, I think are more rare, more interesting experiences. Yeah. And, and I got to say, you know, it was, uh, even my experience that was, that was partially a, a marketing plan. I had a great memory program and I knew nobody would pay attention to me unless I was able to accomplish something great. So yeah. I, I aimed well above what, if any, if anybody would have asked me, you know, what I was capable of, I would have never come close to what I had to aim for, but in aiming for it, it changed me and made me better and and made me deserve, you know, the accolade to come. And and it's been, it's been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that sort of, you know, aiming much higher and being much more ambitious than the person next to you uh, is is a really good trait 
uh, to have. I, I'm, I'm impressed. I, I hadn't heard it, you know, said exactly the way you've been setting it, but it, it makes sense. I think it's interesting. I think that's another thing I've, I think we've probably realized, and it sounds like you've realized it too, that a lot of people just tap out. They're just like, ah, uh, like, I, 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 I'm, I'm okay where I'm at. There's actually, I think a lot of people want to be rich, but not yeah. a lot of people actually like do like success, right? And it's like, yeah. you, you want it and like you work every day towards it. And I think a lot of people are just like, oh, tap out. Like, let's, let's. Yeah, let's. Like, I, I've got enough. I've got yeah. enough there. Yeah, no, I, and I, I, I hear you. I can't say I've always, uh, I've always been as ambitious the whole time, but I definitely see the difference. And I regret not, not uh, aiming higher earlier on too. So yeah, uh, yeah that, that's a really good way to say it. I hope, I hope this is reaching a lot of other people. And in pancreatic cancer, I was specifically studying hydrogen peroxide signaling, why it's there, why it's important in cancers. But during that, I discovered uh, this unique mutated enzyme.